Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. Last class session we talked about double indemnity and this class session we're going to talk about a film called The Lost Weekend, which um, is kind of fascinating to me because I, I find this to be the lost great film in Billy's career. I'm not exactly sure why this one hasn't... Um, hasn't translated well or hasn't hasn't been as well remembered i mean this film wins best picture best director best writer totally sweeps at the oscars and yet somehow somehow amongst billy wilder's great career this one kind of gets lost behind which i think is fascinating um anyway it's not what we're here to talk about for many of you i'm assuming you don't know that the lost weekend is a story of an alcoholic writer who is left alone for a weekend that's that's about all i'm going to give you um, what's fascinating to me about this film is that Billy really thought outside the box when he, when he decided that this should be a film that, that should be made. Yes, it's adapted from a novel. I understand that. But what he talked about repeatedly, what struck him about this, and I, th I honestly think some of this, this is a little bit of conjecture, but it probably came from his work with Raymond Chandler on Double Indemnity, who was a recovering alcoholic who went was on the wagon at the time and ended up um, falling off the wagon. Um, alcoholics in film were treated as comic figures. I, I wish I'd bothered to pull it, but there's a lot of times when Billy talks about how, you know, the alcoholic was a comic figure in films. You, you know, the guy who comes home at 3 a.m. and his wife says, don't you have to perform surgery in a couple hours? You know, that kind of a thing. You know, the guy walking backwards upstairs or whatever, you know. Um, but the treatment of the character in the novel was so serious, so deadly serious, that Billy Billy just had to make this his next film. That brought up something, a sort of a challenge that he was already familiar with, but a challenge nonetheless, and that is adaptation, or adaptation. Taking the, no, taking the, written, wor the written word and turning it into a visual language. Um, Billy Wilder is famous for saying, um, that in the novel, it's a bunch of roses and in the screenplay, it's a torpedo boat. Um, that one's pulled from Billy Wilder interviews, um, and the interview, the happiest couple in, uh, the happiest couple in Hollywood. We've talked about this at length amongst other filmmakers because it, it keeps coming up and I think it's important to talk about the, the problem is you're taking two different mediums, two completely different mediums. They're both storytelling mediums, but completely separate. The written word and the visual and, 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 and a visual medium of story of storytelling. And they don't always translate. It's why Wilder says in the novel, it's a bunch of roses in the screenplay. It's a torpedo boat. There's, there's this necessity in the visual language to have to, to have to be in order to bring the same amount of subtlety that, that the writer can bring but if you're only if you're only limited to what the camera can see, you have to you have to bring about something visually capturing, captivating to the audience that can bring out that same subtlety. There's another thing that he talks about in an interview um, that's on YouTube uh, that's posted by the Writers Guild of America um, called the from a series called The Writer Speaks, where he says the readers read the novel. And you hope that you bought a very popular novel. And you can't omit basic characters. You have to have the big scenes. You can lead different into it, he says. 
And this is part of the other issue with adaptation. You're taking something that the audience comes into it already having expectations. So like he says, you can't get rid of basic characters. You have to have the major set pieces, the big scenes. You know, you may be able to lead into those scenes differently, but those scenes still have to be there. And that's another challenge that I think is often forgotten um, with adapting something. If someone did an adaptation of Hamlet, you would have to have to be or not to be. You just can't not do that, you know. Um, If you adapted, I'm trying to think of of a book without giving something away too. If you adapted To Kill a Mockingbird, you would have to have certain scenes. You would have to have the scene when the town comes um, to lynch... um, Oh, I'm forgetting the character's name, but the young man who's on trial and Atticus standing there telling him to go home. Like, that's a necessary scene. You know, there's just certain things you have to have. Now... Because this because this 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 story takes place in New York City, again there were certain things that Billy had to have, and he says in a documentary called Portrait of a Sixty Percent Perfect Man, he says I wanted to catch the atmosphere of New York, Third Avenue at the time. There was still an elevated train going up above. I needed that. It needed long, vast vistas of New York of skyscrapers. Personally, I much rather shoot inside a studio because I can because I control it. I don't have to fight the light, which is going all the time. The weather it starts raining, and then you reshoot, and then when the then the sun comes out again. What Billy's saying there is the story needed the atmosphere that New York City brought it. He says in his biography, nobody's perfect. Of course, there were some interior shots, but I shot against the live background. In the window, you can see the traffic. You can see people walking around. A good, loca- a good location depends on the action, the milieu of where you are. The perfect picture of a New York bar, if nothing happens, it gets to be pretty dull after half an hour. And that's what Billy felt this film needed. He felt it needed that energy of New York City at that time, at that place. It was very important to him that this film be set in a real place, you know, because this story has so much realism to it. It was important that it that it be in that real place. But notice something interesting here that again, that he says in Portrait of a 60 percent man, he says, I much rather shoot inside a studio because I can control it. Don't have to fight the light, which is going all the time. The weather, it starts raining and then you reshoot and then the sun comes out again and you have no control. So you compromise. The fact of the matter is it's much easier to do things certain ways just is. It's much easier to shoot inside a studio. It's much easier to, to not have to deal with the constantly changing weather that's going on outside. But if the movie needs to be in New York City, if that's what it has to be, it has to be there, as he says, I wanted to catch the atmosphere of New York, then, then that's what you do. You go and you compromise by shooting there. You know, you take what life gives you you take the weather, you take the sun coming in and out and the rain and the whatever, you know, and having to possibly shoot and then stop and then reshoot or whatever. You do that because that's what it needs. That's what the story has to have. And not every story needs that. But Billy felt especially this story because he wanted a true portrayal of an alcoholic needed a true background. The fascinating thing about that, though, is despite the truism, the realism that it brings... He says um, in the documentary Billy Wilder Speaks, he says the impact of the film, the power of the film, are the inserts that shook the house. And this is true of any film, I think. 
Um, inserts bring a scene to life. Inserts are what make can, can make or break a scene. A well-placed insert can tell you so much about what's going on, about what's there, about what's not there, about what the characters are thinking about. You know, it it can create suspense. It can, you know, there's there's so many things that an insert can do for you. It can be the setup. It can be the payoff. It can. Inserts are incredibly valuable. The thing is, though, and most people get this wrong, inserts take time. Inserts need to be just as well crafted as any other shot in the film. Um, I remember once Marty Scorsese talking about in the commentary track to The Aviator. There's a scene in there where Leo is compulsively washing his hands in the bathroom of um, the coconut grove. So he's compulsively washed his hands and then he he has to leave the bathroom and he looks at the doorknob and he knows that that doorknob's dirty. But he's used all the all the towels in the bathroom so that there's nothing that he can put between him and that dirty doorknob. And Marty Scorsese said that he and Bob Richardson, the, the cinematographer, spent what, is, what, what seemed to them way too much time trying to figure out how do we frame this doorknob in a way that is going to reflect the the way Leo's character is looking at it. Billy Wilder gives his own example of that. Not not an example from this movie, not even, not even an example from his own life, but he says um, in the book Billy Wilder Interviews, there's an interview entitled Saul Bass and Billy Wilder in Conversation. And what they say, and, and what Billy says is, I was recently talking to someone about the importance of an insert. People think that inserts are easy to shoot, but they are not. Fritz Lane had, say, a pair of glasses on a surface, and he would take three or four hours deciding how to shoot it. I think, I think sometimes people think that inserts are throwaways, and they're not. An insert should be given just as much importance in your planning of the day, in the way you set it up, as any other shot should. And in some cases more, because it's, it's, it, it, if you look carefully at the design of a scene, sometimes that insert is so massively important for that scene coming together that it needs to be right he says people think that inserts are easy to shoot, but they're not. And part of the reason that they're not easy to shoot is because every detail matters. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the way an actor holds their hand in a medium shot is important. And if they do it wrong, it can be, it can throw the whole shot, right? It's, it's a small detail in relative size to the frame, but it's, it, it, it shows up big on camera for whatever reason. Now imagine shooting an insert of a doorknob, and you're getting up real nice and tight to that doorknob. Like, for example, um, the shot in The Matrix, right? Real up close to that doorknob. Every detail matters now. The smallest, tiniest detail, which is of the same size to a gesture an, astro uh, uh, an actor might make in a scene relative to their medium shot, now is a teeny tiny itsy bitsy detail on that doorknob. And if it's off, it throws the whole shot. I've seen this. I've, I've worked on several shoots now that are, that are either product shots or food shots. And the issue with it, and the reason they take so long is because the lighting has to be just right and the color and where everything goes in the, the, the composition has to be just right. And you're dealing with such fine detail that the entire shot can be thrown very quickly, especially if you stare at it long enough. 
it's just not coming together the way you want it and 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 troubleshooting all those little teeny tiny itsy bitsy details um is difficult you know not to mention where do you put the camera is it above it is it below it is it to the side is it a profile is it a you know how do you frame you know the doorknob or in this case it's a it's actually a shadow of a bottle is probably one of the most well-known inserts of this film. So that's kind of the trick there, is is not treating the insert as a throwaway, but giving it the respect that it deserves. It is a shot just like any other. So that's all we have for The Lost Weekend. Um, over the next three class sessions, we're going to talk about Sunset Boulevard, classic, Ace in the Hole, now a classic, and Stalag 17, which I think is also um, upsettingly overlooked at times. But yeah, that's all we have for this class session. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you'd like to reach out to the pod about, uh, you can reach us at our email address. You can email us at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. You can also um, find us on Facebook and reach out to us there, um, just a Hitchcock University Facebook page. And then, of course, on Twitter, Hitchcock underscore U, the letter U is in university. Uh, that's all we have for this class session. Thank you again so much for listening. Um, we really appreciate you giving us your time. Um, and thank you for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. I have been Taylor Bickle. And we will talk to you again in two weeks.